As we continue our worship this morning, I ask you to turn in your Bibles to John chapter 6. We're going to read some verses from John chapter 6, verses 24 through 42, and then verse 51, or you can just use the insert that's in your, um, in your bulletin and follow along. Last week we had John Sartell, a guest minister with us, and he was here to preach on the significance of Grace Community Church. And if you weren't here, you can find that along with all the other sermons on, um, on our website. This is definitely an exciting time in the life of our church as we have begun a new chapter of our ministry um, as Grace Community Church. And, but this morning we're getting back to our first sermon series that we started on, at Grace Community Church. And this first series is a series on these unique sayings of Jesus that show up in the Gospel of John. They're commonly referred to as the I Am statements. Seven times in John's Gospel where Jesus says, I Am, and then He tells us something very important about, about Himself. And this morning we're coming to the first of those statements where Jesus says in John chapter 6, I am the bread of life. Um, now, this morning we're just going to read a section of verses from what's actually a pretty long story. It takes up the whole of chapter 6. But let me just set the stage and the context, context a little bit with a few highlights before we read this passage. See, the story starts with Jesus. Some of you will remember this story. Jesus miraculously feeding 5,000 men with... Um, with some loaves of bread, a few loaves of bread, and two fish. And as you can imagine, the people that were there, the people that were fed and saw this miracle, they, they got pretty excited. Um, they wanted to make him king right there on the spot. But instead, Jesus withdrew from them. He withdrew from them. And then he crossed the Sea of Galilee. Well, the crowd, they, they were so excited but they chased him all the way to the other side of the Sea of Galilee. And that's where we're going to pick up the story in verse 24 when they catch up with him. So let's read John chapter 6 beginning in verse 24. Once the crowd realized that neither Jesus nor his disciples were there, they got into the boats and went to Capernaum in search of Jesus. When they found him on the other side of the lake, they asked him, Rabbi, when did you get here? Jesus answered, I tell you the truth, you are looking for me not because you saw miraculous signs, but because you ate the loaves and had your fill. Do not work for food that spoils, but for food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you. On Him, God the Father has placed His seal of approval. Then they asked Him, What must we do to do the works God requires? And Jesus answered, The work of God is this, to believe in the one He has sent. So they asked him, What miraculous sign then will you give that we may see it and believe you? What will you do? Our forefathers ate the manna in the desert, as it is written. He gave them bread from heaven to eat. Jesus said to them, I tell you the truth, it is not Moses who has given you the bread from heaven, but it is my Father who gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Sir, they said, from now on, give us this bread. Then Jesus declared, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me will never go hungry, and he who believes in me will never be thirsty. But as I told you, you have seen me, and still you do not believe. 
All that the Father gives me will come to me, and whoever comes to me I will never drive away. For I have come down from heaven, not to do my will, but to do the will of him who sent me. And this is the will of him who sent me, that I shall lose none of all that he has given me, but raise them up at the last day. For my Father's will is that everyone who looks to the Son and believes in him shall have eternal life, and I will raise him up at the last day. At this The Jews began to grumble about him because he said, I am the bread that came down from heaven. They said, Is this not Jesus, the son of Joseph, whose father and mother we know? How can he now say, I came down from heaven? And then verse 51. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. This bread is my flesh, which I will give for the life of the world. Grass withers and the flowers fade, but the word of our God stands forever. Let's go before him now and ask for his help. Heavenly Father, as we come before your word, we do come seeking your help because it's your word that we need to hear this morning. It's your voice that we need to hear. We need you by your spirit to take up these words and write them upon our hearts. We need to hear this morning, you, you speak to your people with a humble confidence. Humble because we know who we are, your broken creation. But with great confidence because we know that when you speak, your word does not return to you void or empty, but it accomplishes the purpose for which you set it forth. And Father, as we come before your word, we confess, uh, we realize that we all come from different places in life um, right now, facing different circumstances, different symptoms of the brokenness of this world, and some have come through these doors this morning wondering why how they even came to be in a church this morning. and Others come through those doors and they're full of anxiety about the week to come. Others come with much pain in life. Um, feeling very acutely right now the misery of this broken world. Still others come and In their misery, you have chosen to draw very close to them and comfort them, and so they come excited, and others in the midst of their burdens come with a great many questions, skeptical of the truth of your word, and and some personally wondering with all that they see in their lives, is it possible that God could even love somebody like me? You know, regardless of how we come this morning, what we need as we look at your word is to realize that we're all the same, though our symptoms are different, and that because of this, we all need the same thing. We all need to realize that we are far more broken than we could imagine. But at the same time, we need to realize that Because of Jesus, His person and work, not only are we far more broken than we can imagine, but because of Him we are far more loved 
and far more secure, far more accepted and approved of than we could have ever dreamed possible. And so we pray this morning that with the eyes of faith, you would allow us to see our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, in whose name we do pray. Amen. I was thinking this past week, I can remember very clearly the feeling that I had when Jennifer and I bought our first home. (laughs) For the first five years of marriage, we were renters in Martin, Tennessee, and then we moved back to Mississippi and we decided to buy a home. Um, we were so excited about it. I was, I was also very nervous about it, all those papers they make you sign. It's like, man, I sure don't want to sign one of my children away or something like that. But, but I was really, really excited about what we were doing, buying this first home. I mean, we were right there. We were knocking on the door of the American dream, right? We had one child, one on the way, two cars in the garage, and now a mortgage. It was awesome. The American dream, right? Uh, and it, it, it was. It was great for a little while. I mean, there was this kind of this feeling like, you know, we've arrived. We're homeowners, right? You know, we love that little house. <clears throat> but houses, um, I have this way of falling apart. Um, gigantic plumbing problems that we had in that house, needing a new roof and stuff like that. I mean, I'm not sure exactly when it happened, but somewhere in there, my dream turned into a nightmare, <laughs> you know, a money pit. Um, it, same kind of thing happened when I bought my, my first car. Two months later, I'm driving down the road saying, I don't remember hearing that sound at the dealership, you know, and, you know, it's, it starts falling apart too, and you know, second law of thermodynamics, right? Entropy, everything moving to disorder, falling apart, um, but, you know, we look at that and we say, well, it's just stuff, right? Houses, cars, things fall apart. Uh, well, that's really just a taste because this is the human experience, right? Not just things, but everything in our lives is always falling apart, right? Institutions and organizations, they start falling apart as soon as they're formed, you know, relationships, um, I mean, even families, they move towards breakdown naturally. I mean, if you don't believe me, you just leave your family alone for a few weeks, right? Don't talk to your spouse and ignore your children and see what happens. They naturally, I mean, even, I don't know what that is. Um, I mean, even we could say, you know, us, I mean, we're falling apart. Our bodies are just falling apart, moving towards death. I mean, it's exhausting work is what I'm trying to say. Trying to hold homes and cars and hopefully we'll fix the beeping um, institutions. Even sound systems are falling apart. Um, <laughs> our, our life, it's exhausting work trying to hold all of this stuff together. But you know, there's still this dream, I think, that continues to live on. And it's a dream for the ultimate, right? A life that will deliver on its promises, a life where things don't fall apart, where, you know, someday, somehow, one day we can arrive. What's Jesus saying in in this passage here? All this talk about bread and the story that we just read, right? And Jesus is basically saying, I am the ultimate bread. I can deliver on the promise 
of life. I'm the bread that can truly satisfy your hunger forever. I'm the only one who can deliver on that dream that you have for the ultimate. So I want to say three things from this passage this morning quickly. The reality of our hunger, our misdirected hunger, and our hunger satisfied. First, the reality of our hunger. I'm pretty sure I'm not alone in this. Um, I do not like the feeling of being hungry. Right? Hunger pains, they are uncomfortable, very uncomfortable. And like you, I, I, don't, I don't know if you've heard this. I've heard this before. You know, this advice, this wise saying, you know, don't go to the grocery store hungry. You know, because when you do, you end up buying way more than you need, right? Uh, and my wife can validate this, by the way. That is the only time I go to the grocery store. <laughs> um, because at that moment, I am, right, I'm acutely aware of the reality of my hunger. I'm paying very, very close attention to my hunger, hunger pains. And, you know, you can ask my wife. I always do this. And I always buy way much, way more than I need when I go to the store like that. But look, look. There's hunger in this story. Only the hunger that Jesus wants us to deal with, it isn't a physical hunger, but a spiritual hunger. It's a, a soul hunger, right? It's a heart hunger. And in this first point, I really just want to ask if you can sense those hunger pains. Do you realize that just like your stomach grumbles when you're hungry, your heart grumbles too? that your heart is craving fullness and satisfaction? Are you paying attention to the reality of that hunger? You see, in verse 26 and 27, Jesus points out that hunger. He says, I tell you the truth, you are looking for me not because you saw miraculous signs, but because you ate the loaves and had your fill. Then he says, do not work for food that spoils, but for food that endures to eternal life. I mean, after Jesus miraculously fed these people... They didn't go about looking for bread, right? For physical bread. They went in search of Jesus. They took a five-mile trip across a sea to find Jesus. And I think it's as if Jesus is saying, that's a very good start. (laughs) You followed me across the sea. You pursued me. But he's also saying, but are you paying attention to your real need? a hunger that is deeper than physical hunger. You have a real hunger for food that endures to eternal life and does not spoil. Are you paying attention to that kind of hunger? You know, I had this professor when I was in college, my organic chemistry professor, Dr. Kelly. And uh, it wasn't limited to this class, but I I always had a problem daydreaming in class. It's very hard for me to stay focused in the classroom. And... Um, you know, it wasn't limited to this class, but Dr. Kelly, he, um, he did something about it in the, in the class because he'd noticed that I was dozing off, looking out the window or whatever, and he would throw chalk at me in the middle of these lectures. I mean, I'm 20 years old. I'm in a room full of my peers, and this guy is throwing chalk at me. It was really embarrassing, but, um, but you know, he was... He's trying to get me to wake up, you know, come back to reality, pay attention to what's happening right now. And that's what this first point really is about. It's say, are you aware? Are you paying attention to what is going on in your life? You aren't just hungry for physical bread. And you have to stop and take an inventory of your life and see that you are really, really hungry for so much more. 
You have these intense, and I have these intense grumbling desires to succeed, right? To perform and achieve. Your heart grumbles and it longs for security in this broken world. You, you frantically find yourself pursuing peace in your relationships. You're thirsty for approval, right? To matter, to be significant in this life. I mean, even since your anger and your frustration at this world that is constantly falling apart and you recognize your restlessness in life, what is all of that? I mean, it's the hunger pains of your heart. And I'm just asking if you're willing to pay attention and to face the deep reality of that hunger. But second, we also need to face our misdirected hunger. We're all, we're all hungry, but the story of our lives is that our hunger is often misdirected to things that can never ultimately satisfy us, right? We have four children uh, that live in my house, uh, four kids, um, and we tried our best to keep all of those kids when they were born, we tried to keep them away from sugar for as long as we could, right? Because we knew that there would be no turning back after that point, right? That little one-year-old gets, their, gets her first taste of icing on a cake or gets a, some Halloween candy, and it's, it's over. It's over. We just opened that door. Um, there's no turning back. You know, for a couple of days, I really could be, I could be a hero to my kids, give them nothing but candy to eat all day long. And, you know, it would taste great to them. They would love that. I see they're paying attention now. You know, um, they would love that their, their stomachs would feel full, right? But I, I may, may achieve some popularity in the short run, but I'd be a horrible parent, right? I'd be rotten teeth and eventually wouldn't survive it, right? You know, no, no vitamins, no nutrients. It tastes great. And we have full little bellies, but it cannot sustain life. You know, here are these people in verses 29 through 31, and they're asking for another miraculous sign, right? You want us to believe you, Jesus, they're saying? Do some more. Wow us. Thrill us. Feed us again. Right? But Jesus doesn't give in because he knows that their hunger is deeper and it is more profound. You notice in those verses how these people, they start talking about manna in the wilderness. Right? They're talking about an Old Testament story with Moses. And that's actually a really good connection for them to make. They're realizing that for Jesus to miraculously feed this group of people like this, that he had to be somebody really, really important like this, this character Moses from the Old Testament stories. But if you catch the flow of the story, right, Jesus says, it's really my father who gives the true bread. And when they say in verse 34, sir, from now on, give us this bread. Jesus is saying to them, you haven't gone quite far enough in connecting me to Moses. Because I'm not, I'm not just like Moses. I far surpass Moses. I am the ultimate, verse 35. I am the bread of life. He who comes to me will never go hungry. And he who believes in me will never be thirsty. I mean, Jesus doesn't give in to their demand for another miracle because that would be like giving your children nothing but candy. Right? Maybe a temporary sugar high, but it won't last. It may be t a temporary illusion 
of life. Feels like our, our stomachs are full, but it won't give life because only He can meet your deepest need. Do you remember in verse 26 that we read when Jesus said, You are looking for me, not because you saw miraculous signs? I mean, does that sound strange to you? <laughs> because if I was in that crowd, I, I would have said to Jesus, um, Yeah, I did see the miraculous sign. That's why I got in a boat and came over here. What do, what do you mean? I, Jesus is saying that they saw the miracle. But they missed the sign. The sign was pointing to Him. He alone can give you life that will last forever. In the weight of glory, C.S. Lewis, he comments that it would seem that our Lord finds our desires not too strong, but too weak. We are half-hearted creatures fooling about with drink and sex and ambition when infinite joy is offered us. Like an ignorant child who wants to go on making mud pies in a slum because he cannot imagine what is meant by the offer of a holiday at the sea, we are far too easily pleased. I mean, right? He's saying, imagine a child. Somebody comes up to this child and, and says, I'll take you to the beach. And the child refuses to go because he wants to stay and play in his mud puddle. Right? That's the picture And he's saying we are trying to fill ourselves up with sex, drink, and ambition, trying to make those things life for us. When infinite joy is offered to us in Jesus, it's like skipping out on the beach to play in the mud puddles. You've got this grumbling for success and security and approval and peace and restlessness. And it should be telling you that you're a hungry creature. But but if you try to film that hunger for success by becoming the perfect parent, right? Raising perfect children or try to quiet the grumbling for security with things and and bank accounts and all that kind of stuff and try to satisfy, right, your thirst for approval through your reputation or with drink or with sex or ambition. It's like making mud mud pies when the ocean is offered to you in Jesus. I wonder if I can point out something that should be obvious, but we often look right past it. Hunger pains are uncomfortable, right? But it's those uncomfortable pains that make you realize that you need to eat. I mean, it's a mechanism given to you so that you will survive, right? Yet we often look right past the gift of hunger. And we, meaning I, you know, say things like, if you loved me, you would fix this in my life. You'd make this go away. You would make this better. You'd give me this or that. The hunger itself is a gift. God is saying to you, you were meant for so much more. Never in a million years could those things give you the kind of satisfaction, the kind of fullness that I can give you. You know, here's something interesting to think about because if you're here thinking, I don't have any idea what he's talking about. (laughs) I'm not, I don't feel any of these hunger pains of my heart that he's talking about. Um, I've got it made in the shade. My life is great. Well, if you just hold on for a little while uh, and wait, trust me, this world is falling apart and you are falling apart too. And it's going to catch up to you at some point. And things are going to fall apart and your reputation is going to be on the ropes and you're going to lose the security that made you so comfortable at one, point, at one point and you're going to fail and you're going to miss that success. And I'm asking if, if you'll stay with it. 
And if you'll take the time to see that that in itself is a gift, a gift that tells you you have misdirected your hunger. You need the ultimate bread. Come to Jesus and find life. Now finally, our hunger satisfied. I think most of us would be willing to admit that we want something different for our lives. And maybe you don't feel it all the time, but in your moments of real clarity and sobriety, you feel it. I mean, you look around, everyone is scrounging for morsels of compliments from parents and friends and co-workers. I mean, diving after crumbs of affirmation in this life. You know, lapping up drips of approval and acclaim. We're nervous and we're anxious in our pursuits of things, and then we're bitter and angry when affirmation and approval is denied to us. Can you see how needy we are? I mean, the world and everything in it is falling apart, and all of us were grasping at straws. I mean, don't you want to be different than that? To somehow figure out a way to rise above that kind of neediness. I mean, that's what we want, right? Because if you had it, if you could rise above all that stuff, the morsels and the drips and the crumbs, I mean, it would make everything in your life different. I mean, it would change the way you respond when people insult you. It would totally change the way you felt when you got passed over. It it would totally change the way you responded to failure totally change the way you respond to success in your life. It would change you from the inside out. Look, we're told that Jesus did this miraculous sign. He fed 5,000 men, we're told in this passage. So actually, women and children combined, maybe something like fifteen to 20,000 people Jesus fed with five loaves of bread and two fish, right? But it was a sign. It was a sign. Right, we cracked the lid on this in the last point, but signs point beyond themselves to the reality. Right, Road signs aren't the destinations in, the, in and of themselves. Right, They're pointing you beyond the sign to the destination. You read through the New Testament sometime and you realize that Jesus, he is not doing mir- He's not doing magic tricks when He does these miracles. Right? His miracles are always pointing to something else. Feeding 5,000 right? Making lame people to walk, opening the eyes of the blind and the ears of the deaf, healing people of things like leprosy and calming storms and raising the dead, right? Every miraculous sign that Jesus does has one thing in common. This world is falling apart. Disease and hunger and blindness and calamity and the greatest enemy of all when we fall completely apart in death. And in all these things, Jesus is saying in his signs, he's saying, I came into this world to stop the falling apart. Right? To stop the falling apart of this world and to stop the falling apart of you. To make it and you what you should be in this life. You weren't made to die. You weren't meant for sickness. You weren't meant for broken relationships. You were not meant to be hungry. I mean, if you just stop right there and breathe for a moment, that is unbelievable good news that I'm calling on you to believe this morning. It is amazing 
To think that He came to do something about our deepest hunger pains. To give us fullness and satisfaction that we can barely imagine. He's the bread that will fill you up and satisfy you forever at the deepest possible place. Absolutely amazing. But listen, Jesus goes about accomplishing this good news in a very unexpected way. Do you know why Jesus got into this boat and went to the other side? And why the crowd had to follow him and pursue him and chase him? Right? I mentioned it at the beginning, but we didn't read it. It's earlier in the chapter, it's in verse 15, where it says this. Jesus, knowing that they intended to come and make him king by force, withdrew again to a mountain by himself. They were coming to make him king. Look at what he can do. And so he got out of there, went to this mountain, and then later that evening he walked on the water, which is a pretty cool story uh, in and of itself. It's right there in the middle of our story. But let me tell you, these people, they saw what Jesus did, and the crowd started to buzz, right? I mean, this guy is the real deal. Bread for fifteen to 20,000 people with five loaves of bread and two fish. I mean, here's someone who could really lead a revolution, right? Let's make him king. He could run the Romans right out of town, right? He could give a, we'd be well fed, we know that, right? He could give us peace and he could give us security. He could turn the tides for Israel, right? He could make us a real player in the world. He could make us a success. I'm weaving an awful lot of metaphors this morning, so forgive me, but you know what's really terrible about a sugar high? It's the crash that comes after that. Have you ever watched your kids go through that? Um, I'm willing to bet that you're just like me. And that means you have thought to yourself, you you don't say this out loud, these kind of things, but you thought, if I can just get the approval of so-and-so. You know, if I could just get ahead in this or that. If I could just get beyond this. If I could get to a whole other set of circumstances in my life right? Then I could finally rest and I'd be at peace. And then here's the thing. Here's the kicker of it all, right? I get whatever it is that I wanted. Whatever it was that I was chasing that I just had to have. And after the initial excitement, it wears thin. I realize I'm still me. That's really, really disappointing. (laughs) I'm still me. I still got the same hunger pains. You know, my circumstances may have changed, but my heart is still grumbling for more, for satisfaction. I thought it would be enough to make me whole, but it never is. Now, if you're following me here at all, um, they wanted to make Jesus king by force. They wanted to force Jesus to give them what they thought they wanted. But I am telling you this morning, That Jesus is far better than that. That He doesn't just listen to your wants. He knows your deepest needs. And that is what He came to address. So what does He say? Verse 51. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. This bread is my flesh, which I will give for the life of the world. I mean, their instincts were right. You know, Jesus is king. He's the king of kings. But he was a king unlike the world had never seen before. 
Jesus came to stop the falling apart of the world. But how did he do that? By giving his life for the world. See, he came to go to a cross. And on the cross, he was torn apart. He fell apart. A crown of thorns, lashes across his back that were made to literally rip his flesh apart. Nails in his hands and his feet. A spear pierces his side. He was torn apart on the cross in your place and in mine so that he could undo the brokenness of this world in you. So that on the cross he could kill death and break brokenness and destroy destruction. Do you know what happens when you realize that the King of Kings came to die for you? That he so loved you that he was willing to be unmade to make you. That he was willing to be torn apart so that you could be whole. That because of what he has done for you, you are completely loved and approved of and, and secure. When you get that, when that gets all the way down into your deepest needs in your heart, it sets you completely free. Right? This is amazing. You no longer have to chase crumbs of affirmation, right? Or morsels of compliments or drips of approval. And you realize that you are whole in Him. I know I'm running long. It's just two real brief ways to apply this. One is this, believe, right? In verse 28, this crowd comes and asks, what must we do to do the work God requires? And Jesus answered, the work of God is this, to believe in the one He has sent. To many of you, You hear that, you read that, that seems like a woefully incomplete answer that Jesus gives. With all of my hunger pains, with all of my sorrows, with all of my brokenness, with all of my trauma, just trust you, Jesus? And Jesus says, yes, that's it. Believe. I mean, we would have loved for him to say, believe me and something else that we could do. Fill in the blank. But if you add anything to that, you miss the very heart of Christianity, which is grace. He wants you to know that He gives you bread that will never perish, that will never spoil, and it's purely a gift. Trust Him. Don't wait to get out of the trauma, the pain, the sorrow of your life. Trust Him in the midst of it. And second, this is a very different culture. I mean, unlike we know it, they knew the importance of daily bread. God requires you and me to live daily, moment by moment, in dependence, in, de- in dependence upon Him and His grace. See, Christian and non-Christian, we often misdirect our hunger pains, and we pin our hopes for life on families and careers and money and ambitions and reputations and sex and drink, and on and on and on we could go. Jesus alone is life. Do you want to have this kind of freedom? Then you have to feed on Him regularly and constantly. And when you do, you will see how He sets you free to rise above grasping for life in all kinds of things that can never fill you, never satisfy you, never make you whole. Let's pray together. God, we...
We thank you that you did indeed give us the true bread in Jesus Christ. That he is the bread of life. Father, open our eyes. Allow us to see the hunger pains in our life. And I pray that we will see how often we misdirect those hunger pains. We see the foolishness of chasing life in mud puddles when the ocean is offered to us in Jesus. Help us, help us to do what seems the hardest thing to do, which is to come to Jesus with nothing but need, with an empty, outstretched hand, So we have nothing to offer but to believe in Jesus. That in Him we are made whole. And because of Him, one day, someday, everything in this world is going to be the way it was meant to be. No more hunger. No more pain. No more mourning. No more loss. And help us to realize that that good news... It begins now. It begins the moment we believe in Jesus. And it sets us free over all those other things we try to call life in this world. Set us free by the good news of the Lord Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen.